Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or go to the story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's service. excited about doing this series. I love studying this stuff, and it's just been incredible the last three weeks being able to just really focus in on what's going on uh, with the end times events that are happening right before our eyes, and, and, and how we can see that in, in scripture and, and in prophecy. The things that have just unfolded in the last three weeks are just mind-blowing. But before I go into that, because I can get super passionate about it, and I just get excited, and, and I get excited because the truth is we all should be excited if we're children of God. We are living in the end times, which means that we might be the generation that gets to see all of this unfold. We could be the generation that is raptured. Doesn't that, doesn't that pump you up? Doesn't that get you excited? But, but what happens is, is that when we get excited for our future, which Jesus died for, our hope in a future, the devil likes to come in and make us fearful. He wants us to be scared of what's happening around us. And he wants to, to make, it, make us have this, this spirit of evil foreboding, which is just a fear of the future in general. And so I don't want to do that. I want that over the next four weeks for us to make sure that, that we look at this from the proper perspective. And as a child of God, if you believe in Jesus, we are not going to be here when things go really, really bad. He is going to rapture us. Yes, we are going to be saved from that wrath, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But let's just say a, a prayer that, that God would just take care of that spirit of fear in our lives and that we would, we would make sure that our vision of our future is hope, and it should be filled with joy, and it should be filled with anticipation. So, God, we come before you, and we pray right now that you would bind up an evil spirit of fear that would try to come against us to steal a gift that you've given us in prophecy. You foretold all of these things and gave them to us in a gift with Scripture so that we would know what was to come. We would know the season in which it would be here. And so, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name right now that the devil would not be able to steal that anticipation and that joy uh, with a spirit of fear. So we bind the spirit. We ask that you would bind the spirit of fear in each and every one of us. Bind up any evil spirit of evil forebodings and cast them off of us. Cast them away from us. Cast that out of us in Jesus' name and replace that, Holy Spirit, with peace and love and joy. Fill us with your fruits and help us to manifest those fruits, uh, Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we go through this series that we would not get fearful but that we would look at this from the right perspective and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 
So today, starting off, this is our new series called Any Questions. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at things that are happening in the prophetic, things that are happening in our culture, in time, right now, uh, across this world. And today we're going to be looking at Hamas, the history of the Palestinians, and, and understanding the, the timeline and where we fit in that timeline. Next week, we're going to be talking about the rise of anti-Semitism and what's going on and whether or not that's prophetic. Also, these wars that we're seeing, are, are they prophetic? And, and what should we look for next according to Scripture? We're also going to look at the difference, some of the difference, differences between Islam and Christianity. You see, there's a, there's a belief out there that, that, that Muhammad was a prophet to, uh, to Islam, like Jesus is a prophet to, to Christians. And so, and that, that God and Allah, they're, they're the same. They're just the same. It, it really, the, the, the religions are, if you look at them, it just, you know, if you believe in Allah or you believe in God, then, then you'll, you'll go to heaven. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit. And we're going to make sure that we understand that they are not the same and that we get the truth when it comes to that. We're also going to be looking at what part does China play in all of this craziness that's going on, as well as what's happening in the Middle East right now with the Euphrates River, which is also prophetic. So we're going to be looking at that as well. So super pumped about next week. The following week, week three, Pastor Hooper is going to be talking about the rapture, which is something we all should be very pumped and excited for. And then week four is heaven heaven. So make sure that you're coming back. Make sure that you guys are inviting your friends because this is going to be a really, really fun series. If my voice gets elevated and I look like I'm kind of yelling a little bit, no, it's just passion, okay? I'm not mad. I'm, I mean, I'm a little mad at some things, but, but, but I'm not mad at you, okay? It's just me. It's just the way I get when I start talking about this. Now, anytime we do an end time series, it's super important for me to, to look at the timeline. So I want to throw this up, just a quick timeline, a simple timeline of the events that are getting ready to happen right now. When it comes to where we are, we are right here, right, right in this area before the rapture. What we are seeing now is the Psalms 53 war. It's unfolding before our eyes. It's the border war that was predicted thousands of years ago. The next war that's going to happen before the rapture is the Jeremiah 49 war. This is a war where Israel will strike Iran. Not Israel striking Iran's proxies, but Israel striking Iran. Most likely that is going to happen because Iran is going to get uh, nuclear capabilities and Israel is going to want to defend themselves, so they are going to attack Iran. That should be the next prophetic event. After that is the rapture. When the rapture happens, that means if you believe in Jesus Christ, if, if you believe he is who he says he is, you will be taken from this earth within a twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye, yes. A twinkling of an eye, that, that's quick, okay? That's fast, it's going to happen quick, and we're going to be talking about that week three. Then after the rapture, the next thing that's going to take place is uh, uh, where the tribulation starts. And we know that the tribulation will start with a peace treaty between the Antichrist and Israel and the surrounding countries. Now, the Antichrist will be human in form, but he will be possessed by Lucifer. And this man will come, and he is going to have all the answers He's going to be a political genius. He's going to be a military genius. He's going to be a religious genius. And he is going to bring peace to a chaotic world that has happened after, after the rapture. 
And when he has this peace uh, deal that happens with Israel, we believe that this is probably when the temple will begin construction. Now, the temple could begin construction any time. It can, it, it can happen at any time, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. And once the peace treaty is signed, then we start this three-and-a-half-year time clock of the beginning of the tribulation, which will lead to this midpoint, which will happen right at the three-and-a-half-year mark, and this is the desecration of the temple. So the temple is going to be built. The temple is going to uh, have worship done in it the way that it was done in the Old Testament. There will be sacrifices, and it will be like it was done uh, in uh, pre-Jesus. Now, when this is happening, understand that, that, that there, there's, a, there's a thing called the Temple Institute in Israel that already has everything that they need to build the temple. They've been collecting it. They, they've got it. They're ready to do it. To the point where they actually now have red heifers. Red heifers were not around for a long period of time. And they have been able to breed now and have red heifers, which are perfect uh, animals from, a, from a, a sacrifice standpoint. To the point where rabbis get out and they, are, they have magnifying glasses. And they are looking at the hair on these red heifers to make sure that there's not one bit of an impurity on it. So they'll be that perfect sacrifice. Those uh, heifers are now to the point where they're old enough to be sacrificed. They have to be three years old. So those red heifers exist, and that's happening as we speak. I mean, that is going on right now. And so these sacrifices are going to be done to God through these first three and a half years, but once we get to the desecration of the temple, that's when the Antichrist decides, I'm going to be worshipped now. I am the Messiah. You worship me. All of these sacrifices need to be done to me. And then begins the great tribulation period. And the Great Tribulation period is when all of these catastrophes and natural disasters and all the stuff that's going to start happening with the breaking of the trumpet seals and uh, breaking of the scrolls. And, and so these different things, these events are going to happen over the last three and a half years where things are going to get worse and worse and worse and worse until we get to the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon will happen in the Armageddon Valley in Israel, and it will be where all of these countries will march against Israel, and then Jesus' second coming. This is when he comes, and he wipes all of them out, and then he sets up his millennial kingdom. So this is what we have to look forward to. I mean, the rapture, we don't have to worry about the seven years between the rapture and the second coming, if you believe in Jesus which is awesome, during that seven-year period is when we will ha be having a wedding celebration with Christ in heaven. Yes, that's worth, that is worth clapping about. Now, uh, uh, we, we, when we start to look at this timeline and we start to look at prophecy, it, you get this question. It's like, so why is Israel so important? I mean, what, what is it? Why do we keep talking about Israel? Why are we so worried about what happens in the Middle East? And those guys have been fighting over there forever, and what, how does that affect us? Well, Israel is super important, and the reason is, is that the Bible is a book about Israel. So what we treasure, one of the most precious treasures as a Christian is the Word of God, and it's all about Israel. And Israel, you have to understand, is a land, but it's also a people. Most prophecy in Scripture is about Israel. Now, also, our Savior was born in Israel. He died in Israel. He rose again in Israel and will return to Israel. So that's why it's so important. 
Now, a few weeks ago, I showed this picture, and this is of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And I explained how you can see a lot of the older ruins of Solomon's Temple, but then you can also see Al-Aqsa, which is over here to the left, and then you can see this Muslim mosque right in the middle called the Dome of the Rock. Now, the devil knows God's plan. The devil also thinks that he can thwart God's plan. He wants to be the king of the universe. He wants to be like God. That's why he fell out of heaven in the first place. And so what he has done through the years is he has tried to lay claim to the temple mount. Because he knows what prophecy says. Prophecy says that, that God will set up his millennial kingdom and he will reign from this site. Now, it's so precious to Jews because this is where God's presence was for the first building of the temple that we see in Scripture when Solomon built it the first time. And then it was destroyed in, 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 during the Babylonian uh, raids. And then it was rebuilt after that. So there was a second temple. And then it was destroyed by Rome. Then there was going to be, there, there will be a third temple. And that is the temple that God will reign from. So the devil wants to, he wants to thwart all those plans. And so through the years, he's done things to try to lay claim to this land. So he sticks a mosque up there. He, 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 he sticks all ox up there. And so you can see these little claims that he's trying to make on what God is going to possess. The devil wants to work against anything that the Lord is trying to do. And he believes he believes that he can defeat God. To the point where all this is going to apex at three and a half years into the tribulation. Where he is going to say, now worship me. Now worship me. And he believes he's going to be successful. Now back to where we are in present day. Oh, and besides, oh, put that back up there. I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to reiterate it. This area of contention has been a, a, voc a focal point in history. And it is this fought over land, specifically between Muslims uh, and Jews. Um, this is why the war just started. Okay, The reason the war is happening right now, and Israel declared war on Hamas. Hamas went and he... In, into Israel and acted like a bunch of terrorists and crazy people and cut people's heads off. They did that because they know and they found out that Israel was getting ready to start the building of the temple. They know they have the red heifers. They know that they have the, the temple institute. They know that they have all this stuff. And Israel was getting ready to start building the temple, guys. They were getting ready to start it and Hamas freaked out. That's why they attack. Now you're not going to hear that in the general media. You have to look for those things. But it is well documented that that was the catalyst in starting this war, which is where we're at right now. For the first time in 50 years, Israel is at war. And you might go, well, come on. Those guys have been fighting forever, and, and man, they've been shooting rockets at each other, and you know, they've been sending uh, uh, suicide bombers you know, into Israel, and Hamas has. You know, that, that stuff's been going on for a long time. Yes, there's been attacks. But Israel has not declared war on another country for 50 years. And they are referring to this attack, this attack that happened on October 7th, as their 
our 9-11 was a big deal. But proportionately speaking, by population, this attack was 30 times worse on Israel than on our, our September 11th. So who is Hamas? Who or what is Hamas? Well, Hamas is a terrorist organization made up of Sunni Muslims. There's two radical sects of Muslims, the uh, uh, Shiites and the Sunnis. And these are Sunnis. Hamas is an Arabic acronym that means zeal or strength. That's why they named themselves that. But it's also a Hebrew term which means violence. Now this, 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 will just, this just blew my mind when, when I saw this. And I saw this, uh, I found this out a few weeks ago when I started studying for this particular series. You understand, and if you've done Signs, which we have this series that you can get in the bookstore if you want more information about End Times, it's called Signs. And then, of course, we did a series uh, about a year ago, a four-week series on End Times. So, so you probably remember us talking about the fact that Jesus says that when the rap, before the rapture comes, that the time, it will be like the times of Noah, and it will be like the times of Lot. You, you, you've heard that. And we know the times of Noah and the times of Lot, the world was super corrupt to the point where God says, you know what, Noah, there's nobody on this earth worth saving except for your family, so build a boat, get in it, I'm going to just kill everybody else. That's what happened with Noah. It happened with Lot. The world had gone to, to, to hell, literally, in a handbasket, and, uh, and so uh, God says, all right, Lot, get your family out of there because I'm going I'm to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so there was all of these, all of this turmoil, all of this sin, all of this corruption, all of this immorality that was going on in the land at that time. Now also, the scripture says it will be like the time of Noah and Lot, where people will be going on business as usual. They're going to be conducting business, there's going to be people getting married, having parties, it's going to be life as usual before the rapture. But when you look back, and Jesus says in Matthew 24, it's going to be like the times of Noah and Lot, when you look back at Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, it describes in, in the Bible what it was like during the time of Noah. And the scripture says, and the earth was filled with violence. What's that the Hebrew word for? The world is filled or was filled with Hamas. So it's filled with violence. Now, three weeks ago, I didn't think of this scripture as more than, okay, Hamas is the word for violence. I never thought that the world could be filled with Hamas. And what are we seeing? What are we seeing with these marches, these pro-Palestinian marches? We're talking millions of people throughout the world are marching on the behalf of Hamas. Now, you might go, well, you know, they, they probably don't mean Hamas. They're probably talking about Palestinians. Well, they're chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What is between the Euphrates River and the Mediterranean? Israel. What they're chanting is death to Israel, death to the people, death to their country, and then the Palestinians can be free. Now, sometimes people will do that ignorantly. They'll be like, oh, that sounds like rhymes. I'll say that. <laughs> but they're still saying it. And the ideology is spreading. And people don't know the truth. And so Hamas is spreading and is filling 
the earth right before our eyes. So it's double meaning. Yes, violence will fill the earth, but also the ideology of Hamas is filling the earth. Hamas, here's the thing. They don't care about anything or anyone that might get in the way of killing Jews and destroying Israel. That is their number one purpose. We know that from their charter formed in 1988. It says it in black and white that that is their mission statement. They also, though, don't care about Palestinians. That's why they're willing to use them as human shields. That's why they will shoot rockets from schools and residential areas. Do you know where Hamas's base, their central base, is in Gaza? It's underneath their biggest hospital. They don't care about Palestinians. They don't care if they die. I said a few weeks ago, they want Israel to respond, and they want them to kill civilians so they can use that in their propaganda to unify Islam against Israel. Do you remember three weeks ago when I said, hey, right now, pretty much across the world, the narrative is Israel's the victim. Let's support Israel. Poor Israel. They did all these things to them. And I said, what did I say? The narrative's going to start to change. And all of a sudden, people are going to start feeling bad for Palestine. And their plan worked. And that's what we're seeing with these millions of people that are marching on the behalf of Palestine and Hamas. It's happening right before our eyes. Now, here's the thing about Israel. They don't want to kill innocent people. They don't. Nobody wants to kill innocent people in a war. But what happens in a war? Innocent people are killed, right? That happens in World War II, when, when one country was bombing another country, did they, did they kill innocent people? Yes, they did. That is a part of war. But Israel went to the point, this is what they did. They, uh, they flew over northern Gaza, and they sent out, uh, uh, they, they shot out all of these leaflets over the city that were written in Arabic telling the people, get out of northern Gaza. Because we're going we're gonna to we're gonna have to bomb it. We're going to have to send missiles in. If you want to be safe, get out of Gaza. What country does that? That's, that's, that's unheard of. But yet they were trying to do their best to keep civilian deaths to a minimum. But this was Hamas's response. They forced 170,000 Palestinians to stay in Gaza City. And, he told, and, the, and their thing was to stand with us. You stand with Hamas. Stand with your Palestinian brothers. That's all a lie. These Palestinians are civilians that they want to use as shields. That's, that's what they want to do. That's what they're using them for. Hamas is an evil, demonic ideology. And we have to understand that. And here's the thing. Through the years, they've gotten so much funding to try to make the Gaza Strip better. In 2006, Hamas uh, surprisingly won this election to govern Gaza, which was probably a rigged election. And many countries stopped supporting Gaza at that point, stating that they would not fund a terrorist organization. And up to, the, up to October 7th, Israel had been supplying humanitarian aid, water, and power to the Gaza Strip. The Palestinians have no one to blame for their living conditions but Hamas. Even though all these countries said, I'm not going to fund a terrorist organization, as time went on, what has happened? 
Well, from 2014 to 2020, UN agencies spent nearly $4.5 billion in Gaza, including $600 million in 2020 alone. Qatar has provided $1.3 billion in aid to Gaza since 2012 for construction, health services, and agriculture. The Palestinian Authority says it will spend $1.7 billion on Gaza this year. Egypt pledged $500 million in aid. Germany and other European countries will spend nearly 70 million euros uh, uh, $80 million in cash on, or in American dollars on, um, might be opposite of that, nearly said, no, that's right, on water projects in Gaza this year. The U.S. has spent at least $5.5 in Gaza this year on cash assistance and health care, in addition contributing $90 million to the U.N. operations in Gaza and the occupied West Bank. Israel, for the last several years, has been granting work permits to 10,000 Gazans who undergo security vetting, providing a crucial source of income for families with no known connection to Hamas. So where's all this money going? Why is Gaza still a mess? Why is it a place that nobody wants to live? The reason being is that Hamas has taken that money or a large part of that money and they've used it to build tunnels, and amass weapons. What are they building tunnels for? You, you know, have you ever seen a country that gets aid to build hospitals and infrastructure that has said, let's build tunnels with that instead? That's crazy. Maybe buying weapons, you might go, well, I, we got, they are going to defend their country. But here's, here, here's the reason they're building their tunnels. The underground, the underground tunnel network allows Hamas and other militant groups to store and shield weapons, Gather and, move underground, uh, uh, gather and move underground, communicate, train, launch offensive attacks, transport hostages, and retreat without being detected by Israeli or Egyptian authorities. So that's what this terrorist government has done with the funds that have been sent to them. So why is Hamas so intent on killing Jews and destroying Israel? Well, it all goes back to jealousy of the promise goes clear back to the time of Abraham. Abraham was a patriarch. He, he was the father of, of many nations. It was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And Abraham was called to the land of Israel, uh, and it was given to him. And, and, and the Bible says that God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and from this son is going to be a birth of a great nation. And by the time they, you know, they get all the way to this land, and they, they set things up, and they live for a while, I mean, Sarah's getting old. She's approaching 100 years. And, and Abraham's like, hey, she ain't getting pregnant. I mean, God must have been wrong. So he decides that he is going to take Hagar as his, as his wife or, or have Hagar bear a child for him. Now, Hagar, she was just a, um, she, was a she was somebody that was in the home. It was just there, not, not a slave, but kind of like a slave. And she was there to take care of the home and, 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 and make the home better. And, and, and she was Egyptian. So Abraham sleeps with Hagar. Hagar is, ha is Egyptian, and they have this baby named Ishmael. And Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nation. He's half Jewish. He's half Egyptian. Then Sarah ends up getting pregnant, and she has this little boy named Isaac. And Isaac becomes the father of the Jewish people. And so we have these two brothers that seem to be at odds with each other over the promise of, and this being a birthright promise in, in Jewish culture is a big deal. 
Isaac got it. Ishmael didn't. So it all started with jealousy. And the devil loves to work through jealousy. The devil has been trying to destroy God's chosen people since the beginning. Revelations chapter 12 verse 4 says, His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood, the dragon, in other, in other translations say, the dragon stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. The dragon is Satan, the woman is Israel, and the child is Jesus. The devil stands against the redemptive plan of God. That's what he does. And he has been trying, the devil has, been trying to destroy the people of Israel and the thought of the Messiah since the beginning. You think about all of the trials, all the tribulation, all the times of slavery, all the times of captivity through the years. That is demonic. That is the devil trying to destroy the people of Israel. And if you'll remember, right before the Messiah was born, what, it, what happened? Herod decided that he was going to kill all the firstborn. He was going to kill all the babies because he was afraid of the Messiah and that the Messiah would come and he would take his land as a, as a Roman uh, uh, governor. Now, we, of course, know the story, and, and Jesus wasn't killed, and Jesus made it. But, but you have to understand that, that that was the devil's plan for Herod to do that. That's been the devil's plan from the beginning. And you look from even at recent history, Look at all the empires, and we're going to talk about those in just a second that have taken Israel. But what happened in Nazi Germany? Don't you know that was demonic? Don't you know that that was the devil's way to try to destroy the people of Israel and the hope in the future for what was to come? So, number four, and this is so contrived right now, guys. It is so important that we understand the history of the Palestines and the land of, the, land of Israel. So the narrative that is believed by Hamas and many other groups is that Israel is an ocup, has been occupying the Palestinian land. Okay, that's what's being taught. That Israel, is, are, they're, they're like colonialists that have stolen something that wasn't theirs. What we have to understand is that the Jews were never occupiers. They are indigenous they are the indigenous people to this land. They were living in this land 2,100 years before anyone was called Palestinians. They were living in this land 2,600 years before Islam was even a religion. And for some people, they don't want to believe the Bible's historical validity. So how about archaeological proof? An ancient Egyptian stele from 1300 B.C. was found that recognized Israel as the land. It's like this stone tablet that it has like an art, art, an art uh, artistic uh, pictures that, that describe things. And this described that Israel was the land. And there's a Canaanite stele from the 9th century B.C. that refers to David as the king of the land. Which this is super funny because Hamas's lineage goes back to the Canaanites. So their own historical artifacts prove whose land it is their own archaeology does yet they won't see it from 586 bc so 500 years after christ almost 600 years or uh, almost 600 years before christ to 1948 a.d that's 2500 years the jews were dispersed and persecuted so 2500 years of persecution 
The Jews that stayed in the land were dominated by many different empires. First, the Babylonians. We talk about all that, that all the time. Where Nebuchadnezzar came, that's the story of Daniel, all of that. So the Babylonians conquered them. The Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans, then the Byz Byzantines, which were the Eastern Roman Empire under Constantine, the Arab and Islam nation, Catholic Crusaders, the Maluks, the Ottomans, which were the Turks or modern-day Turkey, and the British. Now, I want you to notice something here. How anti-Semitism worked. How it worked out for all those countries. Scripture shows that however you treat Israel, God will treat you. So if you bless them, you will be blessed. If you curse them, you will be cursed. Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abram, that's Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. All of those empires fell except for Great Britain, which, of course, Great Britain was there to uh, not to destroy Israel, but to help preserve it. They all fell. They all fell because they persecuted Israel. The Jews were here before any of those empires. You know, any of those empires can say, oh, yeah, well, we had it back two, three hundred years ago. We had it two thousand years ago. We, you know, we had it then. We had it then. And we should have claim to it. No, no, no. Genesis chapter 12 says that God gave those people the land. So where did the Palestinians come from? Where did that come from? Because that's what we hear all the time. Well, in A.D. 135, when Rome had power in Israel, there was this emperor, and his name was Hadrian. And he uh, was trying to rule over the land, and Jews had a tendency to make uprising against those different invading countries. Because in their mind, the Messiah had not come yet, or they were looking for the Messiah, and they thought if they take the land, the Messiah will come, and the Messiah, the Messiah will rule as David and Solomon did. So there was a lot of uprising that would happen. A lot of Jewish uh, uh, groups that would, would get together and try to overthrow the government. So they do this during the time of Hadrian. And Hadrian, when he squashes the revolt, he disperses the Jews from Jerusalem and he renames the entire region in Latin to Palestina. Palestina. This is the Latin word for Philistine. He did this to dishonor the Jews because the Philistines had been Israel's enemy throughout much of history. So he says, I'm going to disperse you from Jerusalem and I'm going to call you and curse you with the name of your enemy. And from 135 to 1947, the area was known as Palestine. Anyone living in the land were known as Palestinians. Arabs, Jews, didn't matter. They were called Palestinians. And if you were born before 1948 in Palestine, and whether you were a Jew or an Arab, it says that you're Palestinian on your birth certificate. According to Genesis 15:18. God gave them this land. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram and, uh, that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the borders of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. That's a lot of land. Let's look at a map showing, kind of clear this up. This is modern day Israel. So this section in the brown is Israel. This is the West Bank. This is the Gaza Strip. These areas were given to Palestinians 
to be able to live. So that is modern day Israel. This is what the Lord gave Israel. They gave them 300,000 square miles of land. That's what God gave Israel. Now, what David and Solomon took was not quite that much, but that was the biggest that the, 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 uh, the, the empire of Israel, if you want to call them that, ever took, was that area there. Well, in 1917, there was a thing called the Balfour, the, the, uh, Balfour um, sorry, Balfour Declaration. And the Balfour Declaration, if you guys want to show that, was given to the Jews as land from the Arabs. And so uh, at this point, uh, the British were basically had, had, had gone in and, and they were ruling that, the land. And so what they wanted to do is they wanted to give land to Jerusalem. So they took it from the Arabs and they gave, or to the Jews, they took it from the Arabs and they gave it to the Jews. At the time, Winston Churchill was the uh, prime minister of the colonies. He wasn't the prime minister over all of, Israel, or all of uh, the, uh, Great Britain yet, but he was prime minister over the colonies. And he, of course, like any good politician, is trying to, to, to work their way up and become ultimately the prime minister. And so he sees that there's an issue because in 1922, the Arabs are pitching a fit that the Jews got this much land. So what he does is he draws a line right down the middle of, the, of, the, of this Balfour Act, and he gives them that much land instead. So the red is what they were supposed to get through the Balfour Act. Instead, that went back. That became Transjordan, which uh, the Hussein family is still over, which is the kings of Saudi Arabia today. And then that was what was given to Israel. Is there another map, or is that it? Okay, yes. So black line is what God gave them. Inside the white line where the blue is, is what Israel has. And then go back. Could you go back to that first map of what it is today? And that's what they actually have today. An area smaller than the state of New Jersey. And we're out of time. <laughs> so we do this teaching for this reason. Number one, super, super important that we understand Israel's history. Super, understand, super important for us to understand prophecy. But we need to know the truth. Because what is happening in our world right now, and this rise of anti-Semitism, which we'll talk about next week, it's demonic. And these, these kids that are going into their college campuses and they're listening to these professors and, and the lies that these professors are telling them, and they believe it because they respect them, they're teachers, and then they go out and they act on it. They're acting on misinformation. They're passionate. They're passionate about something that isn't true. If we, as the church, don't know the truth, who's going to spread it? There are so many agencies out there working against us that in the media and everything else that are, that are spreading the lies. If Christians don't stand for Israel and Christians don't stand for the truth, who will? Guys, God is truth. The Bible is truth. And it is our job to stand up for truth. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we, we pray. It's super important we pray. We 
pray for Israel. We pray for peace. We pray that, that innocent people are not killed. I mean, that's, that's a great prayer, even though it can happen. But we also pray for our leaders. How about the Speaker of the House, huh? How about him? There's, there's a little hope right there in all the craziness. So, Lord, that's what we want to do this morning. We pray for peace, but we also pray for your will. We pray, God, that you would defend Israel, which we know prophetically you're going to do, but protect the innocent. Protect those that would walk in the line of fire that really don't deserve to even be there. Lord, protect them. And then, Lord, help us to get the right information. It's our job to be the ambassadors of truth. And the Lord, when we get in a situation where somebody is leaving something or doing something they shouldn't do, that we would have your wisdom and what we can say or what we can do. Give us the words, God. Lord, I pray that as we go through this series that you would help us to stay hyper-focused on the fact that you're coming back. And we have a hope in a future that your son died for, for us. We have eternity to look forward to with you. So guide us, guide our minds, guide the way we think, God. We don't, want, we don't even want to have a thought in our mind that doesn't come from you. So protect us, protect our families. Protect our jobs. Protect the things that you've blessed us from, with you, that you've blessed us with. Lord, give you all the praise for it. And Lord, we're really cool if you just want to come back quicker. <laughs> so we look forward to that day to see you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't miss next week. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I'll ask you now to be my savior, to be my guide, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, 
Or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.